Today, we're going to talk about a career path that I'm sure a lot of us have thought about pursuing at some point in our lives, real estate. This is a highly visible career, especially for those of us in our late 20s or early 30s for whom nearly every conversation is around buying or maintaining a house. And while being a real estate agent can have some serious financial upside, during my interview with today's guest, Mattia, I decided that being a real estate agent is in a word contradictory. In today's episode, we'll learn about how this career path requires you to be incredibly disciplined yet extremely responsive. You have to have thick skin and take rejection well, but also be approachable. And you have to be an incredible salesman while being extremely honest. I think you're going to really like this episode, but be sure to stick around until the very end where we'll talk about my personal key takeaways, something to consider or ponder upon till next week, and one action you should take today to help figure out your next step in your career. You're listening to The Informational Interview a podcast that helps you learn about different careers and what it takes to break into them from professionals who have done just that. I'm your host, Lauren Fagan, and I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I'm on a mission to talk to people in all sorts of careers to help me figure out what to do next. And I thought I'd bring you along for the ride. If you're not satisfied with your work life, if you're feeling unfulfilled or like there has got to be more to work than this, but don't know what you want to do next, you're in the right place. Each week, I talk to professionals who have successfully pivoted into a career that they love. I ask about their journey, hear more about what their life and their role looks like, and get tactical steps for someone looking to pivot into that industry. Let's dive in. My guest today, Mattia, got his bachelor's degree in music performance in Italian language and literature before going to get his master's degree in music performance and education with a concentration in vocal performance. But like the rest of my guests, Mattia has made a big shift in his career and is currently a successful realtor in the DC area. Mattia is going to talk to us today about recognizing when a career path isn't right for you how you can continue to feed your passions even when it's not your full-time job, and how to step into roles that you didn't go to school for. And to start us off, I wanted to hear more about why Mattia shifted away from music. After all, he was passionate enough about it to go get both a bachelor's and a master's degree in it. Music had always been a huge uh, part of my life, and obviously I I wouldn't have gone to school if it wasn't uh, important for me. When I graduated grad school, quickly realized that what it meant to be a musician professionally in the United States uh, was really not what I was willing to take on. I loved music, it was a passion, but the traveling and what it required to sort of not have a home base and constantly audition, traveling different places, it was just not really for me. During grad school, together with my music education, I was getting involved with a lot of nonprofit and arts administration work, uh, particularly in marketing, public relations, and so forth, still within the art field. So when I moved back uh, from Tennessee, which is where I went to, to graduate school, I was sort of lost. I didn't know where to be and what to do. I knew I didn't want music, but uh, I sort of randomly met into a friend um, and he thought, you know, have you ever thought about real estate? There's a marketing position opening up. So I thought, why not? And, um, and sort of the rest is history. That's why, how I began my career in real estate. 
it sounds like you were doing some soul searching, but in that moment when you were feeling lost, what do you think was the most impactful exercise you did to help you figure out which direction you wanted to run? It was really challenging for me uh, after having spent so much time and money in, in education for many years, particularly not just at the undergrad level, but grad school level, to feel like I was giving up. Uh, mm-hmm. on, on that, on all that time spent and that sweat and tears and, you know, emotions that I'd spent in that career. So I, but I had to take a step back and sort of, you know, th- completely spin the way I approached this and realize that ultimately for my health and for my benefit and for my life, what I wanted to do in the capacity that I wanted to do, it wasn't, what is, wasn't achievable at the time. And, and so I quickly spun it and I thought, well, if I end up in another career and I love it, I can then appreciate my past, the music and the arts in a whole other level. So now, you know, I attend the performances, I'm involved, I'm on the board of the Washington National Opera. It's still a huge part of my life. Um, but just in a different way. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was a leap of faith um, for me to sort of completely say goodbye to, uh, to what I had been doing and what I've worked so hard for. But ultimately, once everything fell into place, it, w- it felt right. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, one thing I talk about with guests is how when you hear somebody talk about their story, oftentimes it sounds very fast. Uh, so do you mind sharing a little bit about how long you were kind of thinking about getting out of, of music as a profession? And also if there was a specific moment where you were like, ooh, this isn't this isn't it. This isn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. Well, when I graduated grad school, it was, it was just such a relief because, you know, I had gotten my master's and, and, and it was a big deal. And usually in, in the music field, particularly in classical you know, opera, which is what I was focused on, most people would start auditioning for, for young artist programs around the country. At the time, when I moved back to D.C. Uh, itself, I was rooming uh, with my good friend, who at the time was a young artist at the Washington National Opera. So he had sort of was two years ahead of me. Uh, we had gone to undergrad together. We were both moving back to the same city. We decided to be roommates. And, you know, I observed what it meant to be uh, a top professional, top young artist um, at a very, very renowned opera house in the United States. And, you know, he would be able to talk to me about this. And, you know, it was it was tough. It was tough for me to hear. I didn't realize that the sort of glamour of what it could be to be a performer was really not as glamorous. And it was constantly having to re-audition and prove yourself. There isn't a ton of money in, in, in that field. You know, it relies heavily on donors. Um, so that was something that got me thinking. Can I see myself doing this that got my my wheels turning. We talked a little bit about money. We talked a little bit about effort versus output might not be balanced. Was there a certain thing that at the time specifically you were like, I I think I need this to be fulfilled and music professionally is not going to do that for me? I wanted to feel like I belonged in one specific place. I really wanted my own life. You know, now it's past graduate school. I wanted my own place. I wanted to not have to live out of a suitcase. So that was very important for me, mm-hmm. figuring out you know, my friend group, where, where, where I get my coffee in the morning. Um, and, and that was one of the things that um, helped me sort of focus on different things that would allow me to do that. And then uh, obviously you talked to your friend who was like, maybe you should get into real estate. What specifically uh, about that industry made you want to stay in it? So I began in a marketing administrative position where I learned so much about the career and what it would mean to be a real estate agent. And many people, by the way, 
start like that because to go fully into sales from sort of clueless about real estate to just jump into sales is really, really risky. So, you know, out of grad school, I thought, well, let, let, you know, I didn't even think of sales as a possibility. I sort of started enjoying what people are observing, a lot of observations of the, of the people doing full-time sales. And then shortly thereafter, you know, the team that I was with, they thought, you, sh- you can do this. Like, you have the skills. They had observed me. They, you know, sort of had mentored me. And, um, and then I was able to switch into full-time sales. So when you're in sales, is that like a 1099 employee? That's correct. I would say that 90% of, of uh, what most real estate agents are under an umbrella of a, of a company, in which in this case, Sotheby's International Realty. And then under that, you're just a 1099 independent contractor. Uh, so, you know, money that you make is not taxed. You have to do your own taxes. There's no benefits. There's no health insurance. So that, all that those costs are on you, and you're running your own business. I had no, I had no idea that that was how that worked. That's so interesting. A lot of guests who I talk to sometimes they're talking about how there's like a significant pay decrease going into a new role uh, because you're starting at the bottom. How how did that play in at it, if at all to your decision to go into an industry like real estate? So, I, you know, I live in Washington, D.C., which is not a cheap city to live in. Uh, there are definitely more expensive cities. So that was a consideration for me. You know, I wanted to live in the city. Uh, I grew up right outside of the city. So for music, it wasn't a, necessarily a very extremely lucrative. So it was definitely a, a, a solid base to start with my uh, the marketing job that I took, you know, and, um, and that helped me. And then, of course, into sales. It's once you switch into sales, the limit does not exist in the sense it is really up to the person and how much they want to work and their their skills and, and how much they're into it. I got some great advice early in my career, which is like when you're picking a job, it's like a triangle. You can choose two, where you want to work, what you want to be doing and who you're doing it for. Just figure out which one of those three you need to you need to just kind of be flexible on. And so it sounded like, it sounds like for you, you were like, I know, I know marketing. I know I want to be in DC. Who I'm working for is kind of like the thing I need to figure out and just like get into it. I think so. And, and you know, uh, I think for a real estate person, first of all, figure out if the lifestyle of, of what it means to be a real estate agent, which is not a nine to five, which is a work on the weekends, work in the evenings, uh, have phone calls at 11 p.m. at night, figure out if that's for you. Mm-hmm. Because it's not for everybody. You know, I don't have kids. I don't have a family. So I can, at this time in my life, really dedicate a ton of time on that. But if I had three kids or, or you know, it was a different uh, family situation at home, it would be tougher. I mean, because it's a ton of time and a ton of time on weird, bizarre hours where everybody else is available, you know, where maybe during the normal nine to five, there's not much going on because my clients are working. Then here comes 5 p.m. They're off. They're checking their phones. They're checking their emails. Now it becomes about their, their, their home search, their home sale and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so then I, here I am. And that's, that's a great segue. You know, the only thing I know about real estate is from Selling Sunset, which I yeah. assume <laughs> is, is not reality. Do you mind telling me, you know, you mentioned a few things, but like, what do you do every day? 
I don't watch those shows because they're so painful to me, and not because <laughs> I, I'm trying to be uh, snobby about it. But it's so far from what the real, real real estate life as a real estate agent <laughs> is so far off from what they show you. And you know, no, that's not the truth. Uh, so. I am my own boss, right? Uh, and I've been my own boss now for many years. So you need an insane amount of self-discipline. There's no one telling you, you know, you have to do this. You have to do this at this time. You need to be here. There's really not. I don't have office hours. I do have an office. I go sometimes when I, uh, when I feel like I need to. But generally, I'm constantly looking to expand my business and work on my business. We need to seek the business, particularly at the beginning of someone's career you know it's it's going to be hard for people starting uh the the main thing that is going to be an issue is how are people going to entrust you with their one of their largest purchases or largest sales huge financial decision of their life with somebody that just is starting in real estate a week ago i mean mm -hmm. that's what's really tough you know that's why many people fail at the beginning it's learning how to provide value and quickly become a master of the skill set and, and the job that you're trying to do uh and it's extremely competitive so you have to eat rejection uh, for breakfast. So my typical day, I wake up at 6 a.m., I go to the gym, which is really the only time I can get for myself before, before business starts. And, uh, you know, gym at night is likely not happening because that's when people want to do stuff or want to see properties and whatnot. And then during the day, it's always changing. There is not one day that is similar to the next. Um, and it's, it's important, though, that despite sort of being pulled in all sorts of different directions, you know, client calls you in 10 minutes, hey, I want to, just, this just hit the market, let's go see it. All of a sudden, my schedule is derailed in a completely different way. You know, there is, there's definitely a huge amount of flexibility. And I think lots of people think the real estate, oh, I make my own hours. But, <laughs> but be careful of thinking that it's a totally flexible job because it really is not. Mm -hmm. I mean, once you realize that you're working for somebody, your client becomes your boss, right? In a way, mm -hmm. you know, like I want to see this, I want to see that. So, uh, you know, they'll be dictating your hours. So you mentioned self-discipline. You said eating rejection for breakfast and grind. Are there any other qualities that if you have these qualities, you would probably be good for real estate? Complete honesty. So you have to be an honest person and a trustworthy person. It's common for the world to see any salespeople from a car salesman to a real estate agent to whatever else as a non-trustworthy person. That's the stigma. But I think the moment that you're unique and honest and people can see that you really care about servicing them and helping them on this journey, for example, first-time home buyers who are doing their first biggest financial purchase of their life, for some people their only purchase, uh, financial purchase of that size in their life, you know, they really need an advocate, somebody next to them that they can rely on, that they can know that these, this person, this agent has their back. And I think, it, you know, they're, it's not always easy to find. So honesty and trustworthiness to me are, are so important. And you have to be able to convey that to the client and, and make sure that you're, um, you know, that it, it's, it's, a real, it's a real feeling for you. Yeah. And it feels like the best way to convey that is to just be like really transparent and authentic and, and enthusiastic, which takes a ton of people skills to be able to convey that Correct. accurately. 
Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. I think the people skills, you know, I've done shows, I've done operas, performed in front of thousands of people. You know, that was helpful to me because for some people, it's not as easy. You know, I do have to be in front of people. I meet a lot of random people that I don't know that I, you know, maybe meet them in an open house or somebody, you know, it's an online lead and I show up and, you know, I don't know who I'm going to meet. And so you have to show value, show that you're honest quickly develop a relationship so that these people are like, hmm, this guy is kind of cool. Like he knows his stuff. He seems honest and and he is, I am, Uh, but uh, (laughs) you know, and like, maybe I want to work with him, you know? Mm -hmm. And what is your favorite and least favorite part of this industry? My favorite is to see truly, and this, this sounds so cliche, but it, it is truly to see my clients happy. Like after, and it can be very stressful for them. Maybe there's lots of competition and there's not enough homes out there. And I've seen people cry. You know, it's, it's a lot of emotions, okay? And you have to conduct the way they're going to feel and, and, and how we're going to get together. You're sort of their coach. So that's, you know, at the end of the journey when they're happy and there's that sigh of relief and they're so content, that's, that is truly my favorite part because mm-hmm. it's, you know, all the hard work that we take together I've put as a team not just me because they have to trust me right I'm just here to you know to help you get there uh, and then my least favorite part sometimes in, in this career um, on, on all sorts of different levels you de- deal with a lot of greed mm. uh, you, you know from, from, from sellers buyers it, from everybody involved when we're talking about a lot of money uh, people can turn very quickly but people can be really sort of uh, sort of greedy and mean and that's not my favorite part <laughs> but again i'm there to to help and, and to sort of placate and if your job came with a uh like a warning label what would that warning label be you're gonna have to be on your phone all the time <laughs> <laughs> clients sometimes lose the barrier of you know time and the fact that i also have a life you know mm-hmm. i also go to the gym i also maybe want to go to happy hours sometimes you know and sometimes people expect immediate responses i mean mm-hmm. so it's a lot and you need to juggle to be able to juggle it so they're not completely slave to uh to your phone and and and, and, and to the clients but there is a lot of 11 p.m. emails, 11 p.m. Call, all sorts of different times on weekends. Are you guarantee that if I get on a flight to go on a weekend trip, I guarantee you that the moment I sit on that plane, my phone will ring with somebody <laughs> that wants something from me. I guarantee you. Do you have any advice for somebody who maybe is thinking about getting started to have some work-life balance at the beginning? You know, what boundaries do you wish that you had known? Or is it just like your first few years, you're just, you, you, it's just work? Yeah, I think, you know, you if you want to succeed, there is a an insane amount of grind that you have to do at the beginning that I don't think you can get away with it unless you have, you know, maybe dual income at home. But you, if you're totally alone, um, I think you need to fully grind. And I think if people want to get into the real estate career, but they don't know if really sales is fully for them, I think that people should seek in you know positions that are right before sales, there's plenty of positions in the real estate world, in commercial and residential, um, that are not sales. You learn so much of the business from just sitting there in a more uh, less stressful way because you are a nine to five and you have your salary and maybe you have a, your benefits and you know you can learn the career. You can see other agent what agents do and what they don't do and maybe for some they realize. Mm-mm, no, ma'am, this is not for me or for others. I think that's very exciting. I think I could do it. And if somebody is listening to this interview and they're like, ah, oh, real estate sounds real interesting. I want to learn more. Are there any like 
books or podcasts or like obviously not selling sunset like where should they go yeah yeah, yeah. definitely don't watch the reality tv show because that's that's totally uh you know totally off i would start with taking maybe even a course online there's courses online that are affordable and maybe it's a few hundred bucks and you can take a real estate course and sort of get a sense of what we're talking about and just do that and just go sort of see and start dabbling and, and, and dipping your toes and see if that uh, maybe of interest. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to get into real estate, you have to get a certification, right? Yes. So, uh, you know, typically every state um, to practice real estate, there is a license. Uh, you, typically you need to go through a course and then you need to do a, a test and each state state has a different test. There's also a national test. So each, each you have to do a national test, which is uh uh, all, the whole United States, and then uh, each state has its own. And I will say, though, that the classes and the test teach you essentially nothing about what it actually means <laughs> to be a real estate agent. We're dealing with contracts. We're dealing with legal aspects. So, uh, you know, there are attorneys involved. It's not just, you know, it's not the open house with balloons. Come here, have a cookie. Uh, isn't this house great? <laughs> And that's it. No, that we have contracts, we have terms, we have big deposits of money. There's a lot of financial aspects. The tests cover this in, in a very, 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 very minimal way. Be forewarned that just passing the test doesn't mean too much. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, you know, real estate is such a, it's always in the news. You know, the real estate market is doing this, it's doing that. What do you see as the biggest issue or challenge for realtors in kind of the immediate future? So... First of all, it's competition during the pandemic when people start changing jobs and there was a lot of work from home and, and, the, and the real estate market really went bonkers during the pandemic. We had thousands and thousands of new real estate agents join the firm. And it's, you know, o- online services. Now every buyer and every seller sort of thinks that they know what's going on because they can go online, look up their house. Zillow gives you an estimate what you think your house. Redfin gives you an estimate. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy for people to feel like, I can do this myself. And let me tell you, it's just, it's, it's, it's not that easy. So, you know, the, the perception would be a challenge because a lot of people are still going to think that uh, it's a very easy job. And, you know, and now with all these online and and AI and and people just, you know, it's going to affect the industry because it's still a, it's a service industry and people are going to think that they can do it themselves. And maybe some people are lucky and and they have the chops to do it themselves, but most people, they're Mm -hmm. not going to do so. Yeah. It sounds like people are increasingly going to have to like prove their value in addition to prove their trustworthiness. Correct. 100%. I think truly the people that uh, respect good service and good customer service will always seek a real estate advisor. It's really not, I don't like the real estate salesperson or, you know, real estate agent, I guess is fine, but I really like real estate advisor. I'm here to be your advisor Mm -hmm. in this purchase, in the sale of your home. And by the way, it doesn't stop at the sale. You're going to call me and you say, I have this issue with my house. I I'm thinking of doing this to my bathroom. What do you think? What's your advice on this? Should I buy this? Should I rent this? Should I not rent this? You know, it's an advisory role forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So would you say that the um, accessibility of information online, the introduction of AI, it sounds like it might force out bad real estate agents and make it even more competitive because people, whether or not it's accurate information, are going to feel more informed? 
Mm-hmm. I think so too. It, it will weed out a lot of, uh, and, and in different aspects of, of the real estate business, by the way, it's more, you know, mortgage lenders, real estate agents, appraisers, home inspectors. It's going to weed out the people that, you know, either don't have the chops for it or haven't been able to provide value to clients that they have a steady, a steady flow of business. The people, clients are referring them business from other people. That's the best, you know, when clients start referring you business from their friend or their family, mm-hmm. that means that they they trust you. They trust you so much that they are willing to give your name to their mom or to their you know, family member, to their best friend and whatnot, because they know that you are going to take amazing care of them. So that's really when you start. Once the referrals start coming in, that you know you're doing a good job and you should continue on that path because people are trusting you. But yes, to answer your question, it's going to be more competitive with, with top agents, but that's okay. Like I, I'm happy when it's an agent, you know, that, uh, that I know even because it's like, I, you know, if I don't get it, they're going to be in good hands because this agent is good too. In terms of, of the career switch, how would you recommend if somebody is feeling a little bit lost in their career right now, somebody figuring out what they value or what is going to make them feel like fulfilled uh, when considering a job change? This is what I did uh, uh, at the time. I sort of did a goal list for me. I, I did a five-year five goal and I put each year and I said, what what do I want to achieve in my five years postgraduate school? I want to buy my first condo, for example, or I want to travel to Europe and I put all those goals together and sort of having that mapped out helped me realize what what I needed on the back end to help me get to that you know and so then I realized okay I want to do all these things and I that means I'm gonna have to make sort of this x amount of money in order for me to uh sort of afford what I want to do like these are my goals right I want to achieve these I need something to get me there. And a big part of that for many people, unless you're in the lottery or your <laughs> sort of family money that just flows in and never stops, you know, you're going to have to work for it. And, and that helped me sort of visualizing these goals uh, was essential for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some of the best advice I ever got from a mentor was like, write down all your expenses, write down like a buffer for savings, whatever. That's your new limit. And so mm-hmm. many people are chasing just like the maximum amount of money and it's like, okay, when you're thinking about a, jo- a job change, you need to figure out what is enough and that is your new floor. And what is a, uh, a limiting belief that you think people face or like a story they tell themselves when switching careers that maybe stifles them or has them um, move more slowly than they should? And how would you recommend that they reframe that belief? I think people are, a big belief that, that it's, bad to change jobs. There's a lot of people that are um, very dedicated to maybe their boss or their team, but in reality, they're, they dislike their job as a whole. And what I figured out is that some people have a hard time with, you know, feeling like they're jumping from job to job, but sometimes you have to do that. Not everybody has that pattern but or that, that path for them, but some people have to do that and it is okay. Uh, you need to really make sure that you're making the right decision and, and do all the research ahead of that. But I think it's okay to change jobs and it's okay if you're not happy because ultimately, you know, what you're going to do for the rest of your life is like so much of our time. And if it's just going to, I'm going to go into the office so angry and upset every day and not feel fulfilled, then that's just, it's going to affect me in other parts of my life, you know? And so, you know, don't be afraid to change. If you had to recommend one thing that our listeners should do like today after listening to this episode to be a step closer to a more fulfilling career, what would you recommend that they do? 
figure out where your heart is as far as what you love and what your ideal, like go shoot as far as you can. Don't be afraid to say, you know, my goal really would be to, you know, perform on Broadway. If that's your goal, you know, but you're currently sitting in a computer, but that's your goal. Like write these goals down and put them really on a sheet and figure out how can I get there? Is this achievable? Is this what I want to do with my life? And then, you know, just, just sort of go for it. I mean, I think it's, I know it's, again, sounds sort of cliche, you know, be realistic with it and everybody's different, but just go for it, you know? Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, you mentioned you're on the board of directors for the National Opera? For the, yeah, for the Young Professionals uh, Board, which is called Bravo, and it's Washington National Opera under the Kennedy Center, yeah. And can you talk a little bit about how, is having that in your life, is having music, like outlets with music still in your life, helpful in having a fulfilling career? Oh, it's so fulfilling. First of all, I can have music and opera and performances in general be part of my life. I can be in a volunteer position where I'm still dedicating time to it. I'm still getting to uh, be very close to the arts, but just in a different capacity. And at first, you know, I must say when I was uh, seeing shows or seeing, you know, productions and sitting in the audience, it was tough because, you know, I've done it. And it was, you know, it's like there was definitely a little bit of, uh, like, what if I had tried that more? And, and, if, and if I had gone on that stage, like, would I be there? You know, would I? But then I quickly learned to just enjoy it in a different way. And being part of this group uh, of the of this board uh, and being volunteer there and sort of helping people learn about opera, bringing new audiences. Our main goal is to bring young professionals together towards the opera. And, and you know, and, and for many people, it's their first experience. And so introducing them to opera, uh, it, it's just so fulfilling. And, you know, and I get to make great connections and I get to network with amazing people. Um, it's truly a blessing. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. I feel like some people think it's kind of all or nothing, where if they make a career shift, that's like, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have to abandon this previous career, this previous mm-hmm. dream. And I loved how you talked about how your experience in, in theater and on stage helps you be a better real estate agent. But also, like, you don't just have to leave that chapter completely behind you and never think about it again. You know, you can have that exist just in a different capacity. That's correct. You're totally right. If somebody listened to this episode and they were like, this is freaking awesome. I want to buy Mattia a coffee. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there a way that they can contact you to, to learn more? Yeah, of course. My, uh, my email is uh, M-D-A-F-F-U-S-O. It's my first initial and my last name altogether at ttrsir.com. And that's also if you search my name online, it'll be the first link that you find. So it's I'm easily searchable and not many people have my name. <laughs> so you'll know it's me. <laughs> and if it's at Sotheby's International Realty, so feel free to uh, send me an email. I, I would be happy to answer any questions anybody might have. And that concludes this week's interview. I loved reconnecting with Mattia and learning more about real estate as a profession. My personal takeaway from this episode is to figure out what the non-negotiables are in your life and then make room to be flexible for the rest. For Mattia, he knew what skills he had and where he wanted to be. So when the opportunity came up for him to do a marketing job, it didn't really matter what company he was doing it for. And it ended up leading to a lucrative career. If he had been super, super picky with all three of those levers, he probably would have been spinning his wheels for much longer. Something to consider for next week is how to show up for your passions. 
Just as Mattia volunteers with Bravo at the Kennedy Center in DC, what can you do to partake in and celebrate your passions while you're not at work? It can be volunteering, classes, book clubs, you name it. Just take some time this week to think about how you can participate in the things that bring you joy. And lastly, one action item you should take today to help you figure out your next step in your career is to do just as Mattia suggested to try and figure out what you want to be able to achieve in the next five to 10 years. Then you can figure out how you want to get there. Is it buying a house, traveling, having a family, going down to work part-time, opening a bookstore? Once you figure out where you want to go, it's easier to figure out how to get there. That's it for the informational interview. I hope you found these episodes as insightful and helpful as I did. If you want to learn more, please visit my website, theinformationalinterview.card.co. Once you're there, if you know of anybody who you want me to interview, there is a form on the site. Alternatively, I want to hear from you. Please send me an email at theinformationalinterview at gmail.com if you're interested in being interviewed or if you want to hear about a particular industry or if you just have feedback for me, I would love to hear from you. That's it for this week. Tune in next week for our next interview.